0: If you have a Bible, go to Matthew chapter 13. Yes. And when you get there, just shout Boomer. Come on. Oklahoma right here. Matthew 13. And uh, as you're turning there, let me just set this up. Jesus was preaching a message on a boat to a group of people that were on the beach. Come on. We need a campus on the beach. Who wants to, who wants to start a campus? Now, don't, don't move there. Just visit there during Christmas break or something. But Jesus was preaching in Galilee. He was preaching in Nazareth, it was his hometown. And he was preaching this whole chapter, Matthew 13, it's a chapter of stories. So he was was telling seven parables, seven stories, to try to help people understand what he was like, what God was like, what heaven was like, what the kingdom of God was all about. And the first four parables, he was talking to a a large crowd of people that were surrounding uh, the boat on the beach. And then the last three parables, he turns to his small core group, his circle, his connect group. Give it up for all the connect group leaders in the house. Hey, if you're in a connect group, raise your hand. I just want to shout out everyone who's part of a small group. As some of you, you're part of a small group. You don't even know you are. You're like, you you meet with people during the week. How many of you just meet with people during the week? You have lunch or dinner with a friend. Come on. This is what God wants us to do is cultivate friendships where we talk about the kingdom of God. He wants us to have relationships where we learn who he is and what he's called us to be, what he's called us to do. So this is what Jesus was doing. He turned to his small group and he said, okay, let me tell you some stories in private. Jesus was good with the core, just as, his good, just as he was as good with the crowd. Like he wasn't just a crowd guy. He wasn't just a, a massive crowd guy. He was also a connect group leader. And so he turns to his small group and he says, guys, the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like a treasure that's hidden in the field. And when a man found this treasure, he hid it again. And in his joy, he went and he sold all that he had. Everybody say, sell out. So he said, this man sold out and he bought that field. Why? Because he knew the treasure was in the field. He was searching for it. He found it. Once he found it, he sold everything and he bought it. And you would think Jesus would stop right there that he conveyed a, a, a parable, a story, a principle. But Jesus wanted the team to understand how, much, how important this parable was, this topic was, so he shared a second one. And he said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything he had and he bought that one pearl. Sell out. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today about selling out to the season you've called us to. Selling out, God, to the message and to the heartbeat and to the purpose that you have for our lives. Selling out, God, to the pace that you've called us to run with. God, that we would be sold out to your kingdom, not to our kingdom, not to our way, not to our glory, but for your glory. And I pray that we would leave encouraged, refreshed, reminded, God, that you are for us and not against us and the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. 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 So, sellout is kind of—it's got a negative connotation to it. In the seventies, eighties, nineties, people would say anyone who um, decided to do something different than what they were doing, they would say, "Oh, he sold out. She sold out." For instance, if you saw an athlete who was really good at football all of a sudden in like toothpaste commercials, you'd be like. He's trying to sell toothpaste now. Just go play football, right? And people would say things like this, but now everybody's kind of selling out. Like everybody's trying to make an extra buck, whether it's selling toothpaste or selling insurance for cars or selling something or using your social media account to sell multiple products. I remember listening to this band called DC Talk back in the early 90s. How many of y'all remember DC Talk? Do you remember when DC Talk was a rap group? They used to be a rap group, and they actually wrote a song called, I love rap music, always have and I always will. Ain't no other in the world that makes me feel quite as chill. How many of y'all remember that song? Okay. And they had free at last. Free, free, I'm free at last. They had love is a verb. Yo, love is a verb. And I know all the songs. I know all the DC Talk rap songs. But in 1996, they sold out. They stopped doing rap music, and I kind of got mad. They released an album called Jesus Freak. How many of y'all remember when Jesus Freak came out? And it it was rock music. And I was like, bro. Like, I'm friends with them. I was like, bros, why are you selling out? Like, rap music. You love rap music. I thought you did, but now you're going to rock music. But here was the point. They were selling out. Not from a genre. that. Yes, yes, they were leaving behind a genre they were used to to embrace a brand new sound. Some of you, God has something for you right now, but you've got to sell out to the new sound that God's called you to move in. Did you know Jesus Freak went on to be their number one, m- most top-grossing album in the 90s? It sold more albums than Michael W. Smith, Stephen Curtis Chapman, Point of Grace. Come on, I know all the Christian music back then. They made it big off of it, but they chose to sell out. Some of you, God's calling you to sell out to the field that he has right in front of you. You're looking for a harvest. You're looking for God to do something great. And he's saying, you're gonna have to leave behind some comforts. See, some of you are in a field of fear and God's inviting you to sell out to a field of faith. Some of you are in a field of singleness, hello, and God is calling you to sell out to the field of marriage. Put a ring on the finger. Some of you are in a field of selfishness, and God's calling you to sell out to the field of serving others. And as long as you stay in one field, as long as you hold on to these cheap pearls, you'll never know the potential on the other side of selling out for the great pearl, the field where the treasure lies. So I had a band when I was um, in high school. We started a band called Envoy, and we were, we were kind of, <laughs> I heard like one woo. <laughs> How many of y'all were lucky enough, blessed enough to get an Envoy CD back in the day? Some of y'all early fans, you've been with me. You're my road dogs. So this let me, we have a picture of our band. If we got it, let's throw it up there. This was Envoy. Watch out, Backstreet Boys. Watch out, NSYNC. Envoy. We, <laughs> Uh, so me, Daniel Mao, Jake Sexton, Chris Trowbridge, we all got together and I was getting ready to graduate college and we had been dabbling in music. It was a side hustle. It wasn't the main thing. We had school. I had, uh, I was dating Ashley at the time. We weren't married. We weren't engaged. We were just dating. We had drama. How many of y'all remember the days of drama when you were dating your spouse? Okay. So that's where we were. And. And on top of that, I had three jobs. Like I I was doing real estate. I was working still as a janitor. I was doing multiple things. I was a mascot for the Tulsa 66ers NBA D-League team. Thank you so much. Come on. And Chris Trowbridge comes to me and he says, Paul, if we're going to make it in music, no record label is going to choose us until we sell out to our sound, until we sell out to our season, until we sell out to the possibility of what could happen if we quit our jobs, if you be done with school and just go all in with the band. Go all in with the music. And I knew what he was asking me to do. It's not a sellout unless you sacrifice. It's not a sellout unless you sacrifice something. You've, listen, this, don't miss the parables here. Jesus was saying this man sacrificed everything to sell out for this one thing. It's a parable about priorities. Where do you want to end up? Where do you want to go with your life? What do you want to see? What kind of harvest are you looking for? Do you have a target? Do you have an aim? Or, or are we living just aimlessly in this life? Because this man, he found something worth sacrificing everything for. When a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing and finds favor for the Lord. But you've got to sacrifice all your side chicks. And you've got to go all in with that one girl. Turn to someone else and you, say, you're a pearl. You're a pearl. You're worth it. You're worth it. But listen, listen, listen. Chris was saying, we've got to go all in. So I finished college. I graduated in May, May 3rd. I remember the graduation day. And I said, okay, I'm selling out. I'm going all in with our sound. I'm going all in with our season. I'm going all in with our music, our style, our, our, our what God's called us to do. We started calling up youth groups. And prior to this, we were losing money as a band. Every time we traveled, we lost money. We didn't make any money, which was a sign that, you know, probably should have stopped back then. To- <laughs> but we were persevering. And all of a sudden things started taking off. Momentum started building. We recorded a CD. I got a box of my CDs with me today. I got, I got a ton of CDs. Can y'all see that? Look at all these CDs. It's because we didn't sell out of our CDs. <laughs> Ashley's like, yeah, we should, we should probably sell some of those. Who would like a CD today from the original Envoy band? You, all right, here's how I'm going to give it out. Who has a birthday today? It's your birthday today. Is it your birthday today? Give it up for this man. Happy birthday. You get an Envoy CD. These are rare. Very few people have these CDs. There is gold in here. There is treasure in this field. Come on. Say happy birthday to this young man. Hey, come on. Glad you're here. Okay, so we started taking off. Momentum started building. Our band was getting, was just, we were starting to get popular. We were playing for rooms of like 100 people, then 200 people. We even got a gig where we played for close to 3,000 people. We started selling CDs and we started making money. And I was like, okay, okay. Now I see there's harvest in this field. And then I got a phone call in the middle of the summer. And I'll never forget it. The summer of 2008, we were halfway through our tour. We were doing a world tour to Oklahoma and Texas, Louisiana, <laughs> Arkansas. Come on, we did make it over to California. That's, that's world tour. That's global. <laughs> They're a whole other nation in California. <laughs> but um, I got a phone call from my dad. And he said, hey, Paul, I got an opportunity for you. Life interrupts you with these invitations to look at a field. Life interrupts you with these invitations where there's this pearl, and you're, and you're wondering, should I sell out for that? It's amazing, but it's not, like I'm, it's not like I'm losing here. It's not like I'm a homeless man that just found a pearl. Like, the merchant was wealthy. He was successful. He had momentum. It wasn't like he was poor. But he found something that was worth sacrificing everything for. Same thing with the man who found the field with the treasure. He had enough money to live, to be happy. But when he found that, he sold everything for it. So my dad calls me and he says, I've got an entry. He said, I need your help at the church. I said, Dad, I've been giving you free labor since I was born. (laughs) When you're a pastor's kid, you have to volunteer at the church. I was like, I can't. Our our, our band's taken off. He goes, that's great, that's great, that's great. He said, I actually have a a job for you. Now that you graduated college, I've got a part-time job. We'll pay you seven, seven bucks an hour. I was like, okay. And uh, he said, I need your help with the college ministry. And I said, Dad, thanks so much. You know, I'll pray about it. I don't, I don't really know. I don't know. I think, I'm, I think I'm happy with music. So I was doing music, but I couldn't go to sleep. Like, I just stayed up through the night, and I just kept thinking about the church. I kept thinking about teenagers and college students And people's problems and people struggling and people needing a shepherd, people needing a pastor. And I couldn't shake it. It was just, it was keeping me up at night. I started writing down visions and dreams. And how do you know when you're called to a certain field, you can't shake it? It just won't leave you alone. It's just calling you. It's stirring you. You're waking up and you're dreaming about ways to make that field better. And you're thinking about the treasure that's in that field. And you're willing to give up all the other money, all the other treasure, even if this doesn't even make the same amount of money as that. You're okay with all of that because you found something worth living for. You found something worth dying for. You found something you could do the rest of your life. And if only five people show up to it, you're happy because that's what you were born for. And I I got to the end of our tour. I prayed, I fasted, I couldn't shake it. I sat down with our band. It was one of the hardest conversations because our band was finally taken off. We had sold 500 CDs, just had a few more CDs to sell. And I said, guys, I think I'm called to the field of pastoral ministry. And they said, well, like when? I said, like now, like I can't do both. This is what you need to understand from the parable. The merchant couldn't have both. The landowner couldn't keep both. He had to give up everything for that one thing. It's priorities. Some of you in the room that are parents, you can't travel 350 days a year and spend a ton of time with your kids. Did anyone ever see the movie The Family Man back in the 90s with Nicolas Cage? And and, and in the movie, the man, he chooses the path of money. He chooses the path of traveling, businessman, goes to London, starts making tons of money, becomes this wealthy CEO. And then this poor beggar asks him for money on the side of the street. He has this bad attitude. He's like, whatever, walks off. Poor beggar ends up being an angel. The angel causes him to have this vision. He wakes up and he realizes what his life would have been if he didn't choose the path of money and he chose the path of purpose. If he would have sold out to the field of marrying this girl and being a dad and being a normal businessman and not living so much for money, but living to be a father, living to be a family man. And by the end of the movie, he, he ends up making the right decision. I won't tell you what happens. Just watch the movie. <laughs> but the point was, is that I started dreaming. What would I do if I went off on this field? What would I do if I went down this field? And I remember calling my dad. I said, dad, I think I'm called to do it. I said, I, here's how I know that I'm called to do it. I would be happy to be a youth pastor the rest of my life. I'd be happy to just be an intern director, take kids on missions trips. If the only kid I reach is Daniel Patterson, I'm cool with that. That's, I just feel that that's what I wanna live for. Like, I want that field. I was crying, like I just remember it like it was yesterday. And I sold out to it and God had so much on the other side of me selling out to it. Can I tell you today, God has so much on the other side of you selling out to what he's inviting you to be a part of. Some of you are playing games with God. You've got one foot in the church, one foot in the world. You've got one foot in your relationship with with God and one foot In all the sinful addictions. And what you need to do is shut the front door on the devil. You need to practice the subtle art of not giving a foothold. You need to say, I am done with that. So that way I can commit all in, sell out to the thing God's called me to do. And can I tell you, don't water down the kingdom of God. Because some of you in the room go, yeah, the kingdom of God is raising your hand in a church service, praying the sinner's prayer and getting saved. The kingdom of God is so much deeper than that so much wider than that it's so much larger than that did you know jesus talked about the kingdom all throughout his scriptures. When he talked about mercy, it was about the kingdom. When he said blessed are the peacemakers, it was about the kingdom. When he said you're to be salt and light in the earth, it was about the kingdom. When he talked about the prodigal son, it was about the, every topic in the Bible is about the kingdom. Joseph learning the power and the purpose in the pit and in the prison, preparing him for the palace, it was all about the kingdom. There is so many pearls that are right in front of you. They're hidden in plain sight. You're missing out on the kingdom that God's trying to teach you and invite you into because you've watered down The possibility that maybe the current season, the current job, the current thing that you're about to throw away is actually a field with hidden treasure right beneath it. In that relationship, as a dad, as a mom, as a janitor, as a pastor, as a youth pastor, as an intern director, in your company, as a coffee barista, don't miss out on the kingdom because it's right here, it's right in front of you. And I remember selling out to see what God would do. And I want to give you a few things to sell out to today. A few things that you and I are all invited to sell out to. Number one, sell out for the pearl of purpose. Sell out to the pearl of purpose. Stop living for a position, start living for a purpose. Stop waiting for a title, start living with a purpose. The purposes of God supersede my vocation and my location, which means that I don't have to be a title in order to live with a purpose. You don't have to be a CFO, a CEO to start doing the things God's called you. You can be a leader right where you're at in your company. You could start living with purpose. Colossians 3, verse 23, here's my purpose. He says, whatever you do, everybody say, whatever you do. Okay, this is purpose. Purpose is not your job title. Whatever you do, if you're selling coffee, if you're working at Quick Trip, if you're a freshman in high school, if you're a sophomore at college, if you're a youth volunteer, give it up for VY, Victory Youth Volunteers. If you're an usher, if you're a greeter, if you work at Children's Church, if you're a mom, if you're a dad, if you're a pilot, If you're a pastor, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if you were working for God, not for human approval. So my purpose is to bring glory to God with whatever I do. And when I sell out to the purpose of serving the king, then I'm no longer striving to be seen. I'm no longer striving for the applause of people. Why? Because I am not living for your approval of me. I am living for the thumbs up from my father in heaven. So when I preach, I preach for his approval. I preach from his approval. I, whatever I do as a dad, I'm doing it with all I've got unto the Lord. John the Baptist discovered this. Everything John the Baptist did was for God. And by the way, John the Baptist was interesting. The dude ate locust and honey and he wore a loincloth, and God liked it. I'm just saying. So he comes in like George of the Jungle and he's like, repent, prepare the way of the Lord, you know. You know, he's just he's just open out there, he's just free. (laughs) and he's baptizing thousands of people, and God loves it. And guess what? People leave his church. People leave his ministry. People go and start listening to Jesus. And you know what John the Baptist says? Here's how you know when someone is more devoted to their purpose than they are to their title. They don't live for people to listen to them, to like them, to follow them, to subscribe to them. They are happy and content in whatever title they carry because their purpose is not attached to people's approval, but to living for God. So when John the Baptist was confronted by people who said, people aren't getting baptized by you, people aren't listening to you, people aren't, he says, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's part of my purpose. John three, verse 30, he must increase, I must decrease. He must become greater. I must become less. My purpose is not about making me famous. My purpose is about making him famous. And when you make that your goal, when you live with that purpose, you are untouchable from the insecurities that people try to place on you, from the pressure to try to please people or keep people or go after people. John goes, no, no, no. It's not about me or them. It's about him. It's about living for his glory. When I'm alive, I'm living to point people to Jesus. Somebody say, sell out for purpose. You gotta sell out to it. Because if you don't, you'll never discover your potential. Your potential is discovered by selling out to your purpose. Letting God use every part of you for his glory. Little did I know God was gonna use my musical gifts and abilities in the pastoral field, but I had to first sell out to the field he was calling me to. By the way, purpose, another, the Greek word for purpose is kazon. It's what you were created to do. It's what makes you come alive. Some people are pressuring you, to pick a job that's gonna make you the most money. At the end of your life, you will not answer to them on the throne. You will answer to God. So if you are just choosing the path of least resistance or the path of most money, you might miss out on the field of purpose. You need to spend some time praying, saying, God, what makes me come alive? Because what the world needs is people who've come alive. The world doesn't need a bunch of people that are robots. Doing jobs just because it's a title, as long as I'm the CEO, as long as I'm the CFO, as long as I'm in charge here, as long as I make a salary of this, I feel purposeful. But God goes, no, no, purpose is bigger than an income check. Purpose is bigger than the house, the car you drive, the salary you make. Sell out to serving the king instead of striving to be seen. Number two, the pearl of your personality. God has uniquely made you with a specific design. Genesis chapter one says we are made in the image of God. There's a pearl in your personality. Now some of you are going, now hold on, that's not a pearl. That's more like a stone. That's a rock. My husband's personality is like a rock. It's sharp, it's rough. My wife's personality is like a stone. (laughs) And Jesus says, no, 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 your, your, your personality is a pearl. Jesus was going to Jerusalem, not to make his name known, but to purchase a pearl. See, the parable of the pearl can be looked at in so many ways. In reality, the pearl is you. The pearl is me. God was in heaven with all that he needed, all that he wanted. He had all the wealth, he had all the angels, he had the throne, hear him and Jesus are talking and all of a sudden they see a pearl and the pearl is people. And God says, that's that's what we've gotta give everything for. We've gotta sell everything to get that. To get him, to get Mark, to get Natalie, to get AJ, to get Amber, to get Paul, to get Ashley, to get John, to get to get Sharon. We've got we've to give everything for that one thing. You go, no, no, no. God doesn't love us that much. You are watering down the kingdom because you think it's about a salvation prayer when God says, no, no, the kingdom is you. I made you. God made you for his delight. God delights in your personality. You're like, well, I don't know. I mean... I'm not like them. I don't have a personality that's super exciting or fun, but God loves you. You're an expression of God that the world needs. You're an expression of the Holy Spirit that's different than me. Some of you don't like your personality, and that's why you don't like her personality. So you go, man, this girl's personality, she just needs to calm down. She is on level 100, and God goes, no, I like that personality. I made that personality. Well, she just needs to tone it down and be more like me. You don't even like yourself. That's why you don't like her. You don't like him because you don't like you. And until you discover the kingdom of God, that he loves you, that you are his pearl, that he sold out so that he could purchase your salvation because he loves you. He has a plan for your unique quirkiness. God loves the fact that you're different than your brother. Like there's a pearl in my personality that's different than the pearl in my father's personality. There's a pearl in your personality that's different than your mother's personality. And God goes, I don't want you to be a copy, an imitation of someone else. I want you to be the original real pearl that I've created you to be. So bring all of you, bring your mullet, bring your glasses, bring your mustache, bring your Fu Manchu, bring your Star Wars, you know, magazines, whatever you like. You go, well, I don't think God's interested in the details of our life. Your view of God is limiting your acceptance of the kingdom. God goes, it's hidden in plain sight. You don't even see it. Because you think the kingdom is just going down to an altar call and getting saved. But the kingdom is so much deeper than that. The kingdom of God is realizing he loves every part of me. He loves the way that I laugh. He loves the way that I smile. He loves the way that I preach. He loves the way that I think. He loves that I'm not like all the other pastors. He loves that you're not like all the other businessmen. He loves that you're kind of country. He loves that you're kind of rough around the edges. You go, I don't know. Look at John the Baptist. Did God love John the Baptist? He loved him. Jesus said, you missed out on the kingdom, and he was right here. And the religious people go, what are you talking about? Jesus said, you were waiting for Elijah to come, and he came. He was right in front of you, and you missed it. Man, he was wearing undies out in the wilderness, eating locusts and honey, had a loincloth on. God doesn't love men running around in loincloths. And Jesus goes, you missed it. Your preferences are limiting your ability to receive the kingdom of God because it's not rap music. It's not what you are used to. It's different than what you thought it was going to be, and you can't see the pearl in John's personality. Can I tell you God loves the pearl of my brother John's personality? Just as much as he loves the pearl of my personality and your personality. God loves the pearl of AJ's personality. Just as much as he loves the pearl of Tom Morris's personality. And God loves the pearl of Billy Joe's personality. Just as much as he loves the pearl of Joyce Meyer's personality. Well, Joyce, you know, she's, you know, Sharon, you know, Paul and Pam and Ronnie. And man, if you just discovered how valuable you are, you would start seeing the value in everyone else around you. And you go, oh my God. Goodness, the kingdom of God is among us. He's right here. John the Baptist with his rough preaching, with his loincloth, with his locust and honey, with his productions on stage, and Paul and Tom and the usher in the back and the man behind the camera. Everybody look at each other and say, You're a pearl. You're a pearl. You're a pearl. David had a revelation of this in the Bible. Psalm 139, verse 1, he said, You've searched me and you know me, God. David was rough around the edges. The man committed adultery. The man murdered the woman's husband that he had adultery with. The man was honestly not always present with his kids. He was busy running the kingdom, so he didn't have a ton of time to spend with Absalom. So Absalom developed a grudge against him because he didn't work on some of the things that Absalom wanted him to. And David could have held all of this bitterness towards himself. I wasn't the dad. I should have been. I'm not the husband. I should have been. I'm not the best businessman. I'm not the best leader. I'm worried. I'm anxious. I'm stressed. I don't like myself. But David got over all of his flaws, and he said, God, you know me. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb, all the rough edges. You've got a plan and a purpose for all of my flaws. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your are wonderful. I'm a pearl, God. I may not be a pearl to the world, but I'm a pearl in your eyes. You see me. You saw me in the depths of the earth. You made me in the secret place. Somebody say I'm a pearl. And the more you discover that, the less you need the applause of everybody else. Like I decided this weekend, I'm not necessarily preaching for you. I'm preaching for an audience of one. And the beautiful thing is he's already approved me so I don't have to go to Jerusalem to prove it. I don't have to be a public figure to prove it. I don't have to get hand claps to prove my value and my worth. So many of us are in anxiety because we're trying to prove ourselves on social media, and God goes, you know you're a pearl, right? You You know how valuable you are. Like, I gave everything for you. You don't need their likes. You don't need their follows. You don't need their comments. You don't need that applause. Stop living for the pressure of what people want you to be and start selling out to the purpose of who I created you to be. Start selling out to the personality that I blessed you with. I want all of you. Number three, the pearl of plowing and preparation. Every field needs plowing. Every field, every farmer knows that a field will not produce a harvest unless there is preparation unless there's planting, unless there's preparing. The preparation sets you up for the elevation. The preparation sets you up for the promotion, for the favor of God. But here's the problem. A lot of us don't see plowing as a pearl. We see it as a problem. And as long as you see plowing and preparing as a problem, you'll never discover the potential on the other side of that pearl. Because there's so much connected to your preparation. Proverbs 20 verse four says sluggards don't plow in season. So when it's harvest time, they look for harvest and they see nothing. Can I tell you this morning, I was plowing for you. I was praying for you. I was preparing. I was going over my notes. Even though I pr- preached it last night, went over it last night, I was saying, God, what do you want to shift this morning? I want to prepare so that when it's time for harvest, the people are ready to receive the word of God. Some of you are in a business right now. Some of you are working for a company right now, and you're waiting to give your all until you're the head of the company. God says, I want you to give your all even as a janitor. I want you to sell out to the pearl of pre- preparation, even as the one who's cleaning up all the trash, cleaning up the bathrooms, running things behind the scenes. I want you to sell out to plowing. I want you to find your worth, not in the harvest, but in doing the obedience that I've called you to do. There's a pearl every morning when you wake up and pray every morning, when you wake up and read the word of God, what are you doing? You're plowing for your purpose. You're preparing for your day. Proverbs 10 verse four says this lazy hands make for poverty. You wanna end up in poverty, then don't plow. You wanna lose your job, don't work. You wanna miss out on your promotion, don't show up on time. Don't put in any effort, don't go the extra mile, don't find work as exciting, make it a drudgery, complain about it on Instagram, oh my job stinks. Wish I had something else, wish I had better friends. Complain about your life, because when you complain, you remain. In fact, when you complain, you go backwards. But when you start finding the pearl of just plowing in that relationship, plowing at that job, plowing, just waking up and going, Oh, I'm excited. I'm hungry to see what God's going to do today. I'm praying for my kids. But, Paul, I haven't seen a harvest in my son's life. This is why Galatians 6, verse 9 says, Do not grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary in the plowing. Don't grow weary. For at the proper time, harvest will come if you don't quit, if you don't give up. Somebody say, Don't give up in the plowing. Don't give up in the plowing. Number four, the pearl of pain. I can already just feel in the room, some of y'all going, I think that's a misspelling. I think that's a mistake. That's not a pearl, Paul. Pain is not a pearl, but I would tell you today it is. I was sitting down with the pastor in my life who's twice my age, and he's gone on to do some great things in ministry and leadership. And I asked him, I said, what do you think the key is to, to... to being a great pastor, to being a great leader. And he said, you really wanna know? I said, yeah. He said, it's embracing pain. He said, the more pain you walk through, the more you're gonna grow into who God's called you to be. I said, "Uh, is there any other way? (laughs) That's what Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane. Is there any other way? Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus embraced the pain of the cross so that he could see the pearl of the kingdom of God come to pass. The pearl of pain. It's choosing not to run from pain, but instead to lean into it. To say, God, what do you want to teach me? Did you know there's three kinds of pearls? There's real pearls. There's cultured pearls. They're real pearls, but it's basically people who will... I'm going to tell you what happens. And then the third group is the imitation pearls. There's three kinds of pearls. And I don't know if we've got the pictures of this, but I want you to just kind of see the difference. This is a fake pearl, $1.45. Some of y'all got the earrings on today. <laughs> it looks real. Can I tell you the distinguishing factor between a real pearl and an imitation pearl? It's in the weight. It's in the weight. The real pearls are heavier than the imitation pearls. And what really tests an imitation pearl against a real pearl is when you put it in your mouth and you start to bite on it, the imitation pearls are so smooth and they're so flawless and so perfect, you can tell they're an imitation pearl. The real pearls have little rough edges around them. You can't see it, but once you put it in your mouth, you go, no, 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 but this is the part of pain There's something about a leader with a limp. There's something about a pastor who's walked through pain. And you go, I can trust him. Because he's carried some pain in his life. And the more pain you have, the more weight you carry, the more depth you have as a leader. It doesn't always show up in all your speaking, but there's just a little bit of a roughness that's also beautiful, that makes you a real pearl. So here's how a real pearl is developed. A real pearl is developed in the South Sea, in the ocean, when an irritant, an irritation, gets inside of a clam or a shell or an oyster a muscle, this irritation gets in. And the more irritation there is inside of the oyster, the oyster releases something called NACRE, N-A-C-R-E, NACRE. And this NACRE substance begins to form a layer over the irritation. And the more irritation there is, the more NACRE is released. And the more NACRE that's released, it's layer upon layer upon layer that produces a true, real, genuine pearl. The pearl is produced through the pain. The pain is what makes the pressure and the irritation is what produces the depth and the weight of the pearl. You want to go further for God? then you've got to embrace the pearl of pain. God doesn't send the pain. He doesn't bring the irritation. Some of us right now are wishing away every attack. God says, I'm using that to mold you, to shape you, to form you, to reinvent you. I'm about to bring some new seasons of favor in your life. I'm about to bring some new ideas into your business. I'm going to use what the enemy meant for harm to propel you into what I have for you. That's good. I know it's painful, but I'm creating a pearl inside of your marriage. I'm creating a pearl inside of your ministry. And it wouldn't happen unless you learn how to embrace the pain, because the pain is producing a pearl. It's producing a pearl of perseverance. It's producing a pearl of patience. I want the keys to come out. Number five, the pearl of process. Sell out to the pearl of process. What do I mean by that? I mean, just go all in instead of running from the process. Just say, "Okay, God, I submit I'm all yours. Whatever process you have me in, I'm gonna embrace it. So Lord, if the process is me just walking through humiliation, if it's me praying and waiting, and my friends are getting married, and my friends are having kids, and my friends are excelling in all of their stuff, but Lord, you've got me in this process. And can I tell you, as an outsider, watching some of you go through this process, it's painful for me to watch, but it's also beautiful because I'm going, God, you must have something really good for my friend. You must have something really amazing for her, for him. All the stuff they've had to wait on and walk through and, and battle through this process, you must be getting them ready for something great. The pearl of process is saying, Lord, I embrace what you're doing. Cultivated my heart, a heart of patience. The Bible says, because Abraham waited patiently, he obtained the favor and the promises of God. Joseph found that the pit was actually a pearl. Joseph in the Bible, he discovered that the prison was actually a pearl. It was in the prison that God was preparing him for the palace. Joseph realized that even though I'm down in the pit, even though I'm down in the prison, I'm not down for the count. I'm really planted and planted seeds will eventually sprout. Just give it some water. Give it some time. Give it some fertilizer. Come on. Thank God for the fertilizer in your life. It happens. And when it does, it prepares you for the pearl of the position that God has called you to fulfill. It's a purpose to bring God glory. Number six, the pearl of pace. I'm almost done. I've got a few more pearls. Can you hang on for a few more pearls? If you can't, I'll just preach to the people who will because they're gonna get something good out of this. The pearl of pace. The pearl of pace. I think it's interesting that on pastoral appreciation weekend, you guys gave me tennis shoes. I didn't know you were gonna do that. (laughs) I didn't know they were gonna do that. I really didn't know. Y'all are like, yeah, right, you planned your own appreciation. No, I didn't. (laughs) I didn't. Tennis shoes are about running And he's right, I'm preparing for a a long run. And the thing I know about a long run is you've gotta pace yourself, because this is not a sprint, it's not a 100-yard dash, it's a marathon. And here's what I've realized about parenting, marriage, pastoring, sometimes I'm so obsessed with the imitation pearl of passion that I don't know how to embrace the true pearl of pace. Passion is good. But even Proverbs says passion without knowledge, passion without understanding, passion without pace can lead you to do a whole lot of things and burn out at a young age. So recently I was with a group of pastors and I realized some of these guys are at burnout in their 30s. They're burning out, like literally just done with ministry because they got so obsessed with passion. I get excited about things like I'm already dreaming about the future campuses God's called us to build in Broken Arrow and, and uh, across the river over in Glenpool and Sepulpa and Mounds. And, and I see future things of what God's called us to do in Arkansas and lower parts of Oklahoma. And God says, slow down. Let's start with finishing for the future. You got $650,000 left to go. But everything inside me wants to do it all right now. And you know that's not wise. Because if you do everything that's in your heart to do right now, in one year, it won't be sustainable. I was talking with this mentor in my life and he said, Paul, you're in a long game and, and you're looking at other people that are playing the short game. So yeah, you see things that you want because it's happening so quick, so fast. But if you'll sell out to the long game, you'll be in this for a lot longer and you'll be prepared and you won't burn out when you're 38 and you won't want to quit when you're 40. You'll, you'll be able to pastor people long into this. Some of you right now in your business, in your marriage, you're looking for quick harvest, quick breakthrough. We're a microwave generation serving a crock pot God. He says, just wait on it. Just pace yourself. Pace yourself. Jesus paced himself. We look at the stories of Jesus. We see his Instagram highlight reel. But what we don't understand is for 30 years, Jesus was just preparing. He was pacing himself. And even during his ministry, the Bible says he would pull away and he would rest. He would take a Sabbath. He would rest. He would go and listen to his father. He wasn't always preaching for the crowds. He wasn't always bowing down to the pressure and the paranoia of trying to be a public figure. He discovered the pearl of pace. The kingdom of God is about enjoying the journey. It's about slowing down to smell the roses. It's about staying strong for the long haul. It's a pace of grace. It's a pace of worship. It's a pace of trust. It's a pace of patience. There was this guy, recently I was reading this news story, this guy sang for the Lion King in 1993. I think we got a picture of him, his name's Jason Weaver. Um, And it says, the Lion King Simba voice and original Lion King turned down $2 million to take royalties. His mom said, we're not gonna play the short game, we're gonna play the long game. He didn't know to do this. He said, I'm so thankful that my mom understood the importance of the long game. Because he said $2 million was a lot for a Chicago family that didn't have a whole lot of money. He said, I wanted the $2 million, but my mom said, no, 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 honey, we're going to play the long game here. Turn down the check and take 13% of the royalties of the three songs you sing. Watch what's going to happen. Today, that man gets a residual check every month, hundreds of thousands of dollars. It gets passed down to his kids, to his kids' kids. Any, anyone who understands music knows that the, the money's in the royalties. It's in the royalties. If you make a great song, don't take the initial check that the record label offers you. Go for the long game. Go for the royalties. So this man, he's now seeing all of this come in. This is the power of pace. This is the pearl of slowing down and saying, I'm not going to sell out. To the passionate ideas of trying to get it all done right now. I know God wants me to do greater things in my 50s, in my 60s, in my 70s. I don't want to end my race too soon. Number seven, the pearl of pain. I talked about the pearl of pain. I want to talk to you about the pearl of plain, The mundane, the normal, the basic days. These are the days that we don't see on Instagram. These are the days that aren't highlighted in the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because for 30 years, Jesus was living a plain, basic, normal life. It wasn't until he was 30 that we start seeing miracles, messages, but it was the plain days that prepared him for the powerful moments. It was the plain days of just showing up, being a son, serving his mom, serving his dad. Some of you have a plain day this week, Monday, Tuesday, some of you have a plain week this week. No highlights. You know what? God celebrates the plain days. God celebrates the plain season that you're in. It looks plain. You know, there was this guy who was pretty plain, he was pretty basic in, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. And now they're making movies about it. I think we got a picture of this plain guy. There he is right there. Mr. Rogers. People said, Mr. Rogers is basic, he's plain. He comes out in his red sweater. He's got puppets. It's not a cool kid show. Can I tell you, the world has been changed by plain people. The world has been changed by people who work plain jobs, who wear plain clothes. Like I'm a pretty plain guy. I'm not flashy, but I'm okay with that. There's a pearl in plain. There's a pearl in just being who God made you to be. There's a pearl in just showing like on Friday, I just took my son to breakfast. It was plain. Nothing awesome happened. Like there was no cool moments. I just sat, and we talked about superheroes. I said, What do you want to be when you grow up? He said, first Spider-Man, then Batman, then Flash. Then when I'm your age, daddy, I want to be Pastor Batflash Benny. I said, okay, Pastor Batflash Benny. It was plain, it was basic. Friday night took them to the football game. Not, nothing. Thursday night we sat at home, ate dinner. Last Friday we just sat at home, ate dinner, went to work. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Went to meetings, prayed for you, prepared sermons for you. And it's in those plain days that God's doing something powerful. It's in the plain days that I was serving as a janitor and I didn't even see it that God was preparing me for what He was going to do later in our church. It's on the plain days that God's preparing you for something powerful, which leads me to my eighth point the pearl of prayer. Some of you have lost the pearl of prayer. You've settled for the pearl of paranoia, you've settled for the imitation pearl of pleasing people. But God says, I want you to shut the door on every distraction. Turn on your iPhone for once in your life and just get in your closet and sell out to prayer Lord I thank you that you're doing something powerful even when I don't see it you're working you're turning all things around for good Lord I thank you that greater things have yet to come Lord I'm selling out to pray even when I don't see the breakthrough I'm selling out to the pearl of prayer it's a kingdom principle as I pray God you're gonna move the mountains and I'm gonna pray with faith and I'm gonna pray with hope. You know, Elijah sold out to prayer. Daniel sold out to prayer. Daniel would pray every single day. He'd open the windows and pray. And then he would shut the windows and pray. So that when he was thrown in the lions, then he had already prayed himself up for the moments where he needed the power of God. The pearl of prayer opens the door for the pearl of God's power. So that when I'm faced, With the mouths of lions, I don't crumble, I don't shake. Elijah prayed on the day that he said rain is coming, revival is coming, they said we don't see it. Elijah just kept praying, everybody say pray. Pray. Sell out to prayer, sell out to prayer. Uh, The next pearl, the pearl of promises, the pearl of God's precepts. I wrote a parable this week. You wanna hear my parable? It's short, I'll make it quick. I was gonna tell you even if you don't wanna hear it. You can write a parable, that's my homework for you this week, write a parable. Parables have meaning. So so this parable is um, this wealthy man who owned a lot. His wife died. And out of his sadness, it just kind of kept him driving the business. He started buying more companies, started investing in stuff that just took off. Built houses in Italy, built houses in France, Australia, South Africa. The man started multiple companies, bought lots of land all over the U.S., and then he died. He had five relatives. They all showed up to his funeral. Not really to honor him, but more to hear what was on the will. One family member really cared about him. It was his daughter. The rest, they were kind of like, just tell me what he left me. And so the butler read the will. He said, okay, every one of you gets a check for $2 million. Come on, dad's worth more than that. But fine, we'll take the check. As they were walking out of the room, the butler said, but wait, you have an option. On the table, they saw these leather journals. He said, you can leave the check and take one of his journals, or you could keep the check, but you can't have the journal. You can't have both. You either take the check or you take the journal. They said, what's in the journals? He said, all the stories of how your dad made his wealth. They said, we've heard all of dad's stories. He tells them all the time. It's like Pastor Paul telling the same master key story all the time. It's because I'm trying to tell you something. There's something here. And he said, no, I want the cash. I'm in the short game. Give me the check. Write that check. Show me the money, Tom Cruise. I want the money. So they took the check, the $2 million. But the daughter said, you know, I'm fine. Honestly, we're okay. Here, you take the check to the butler. You need this. You're trying to raise your kids. This will really bless you guys. Go on some vacation. Do something fun. The butler said, are you sure? All the kids are left. She said, yeah, honestly, I, I loved listening to my dad's stories. I just loved listening to him. So I'll take the journal. The butler said, Why don't you take all five of the journals since the others didn't take them? She took the journals, she went home. You wanna know what was in the journals? I know, because I wrote the parable. (laughs) She opened the journals and in the journals were numbers. She was confused, what are these numbers for? And then there was addresses and every page had a key on it, take to the pages. And she discovered that he had left whoever took the journals, got all of his bank account numbers, got all of his homes that he had built, all of the companies that he owned, all the stocks he had investments in. Come on, choose the pearl in every page. There's addresses, there's numbers, there's countless. The kingdom of God is deep, it's wide, but you've got to sell out to it. It's here. Stand up on your feet. It's here. And it's in the pearl of his presence. Some of you are more captivated by the Pearl of Popeye's chicken, which is not as good as Chick-fil-A. Thank you very much. Some of you are like, I just want to get out of his presence so I can go to Popeye's. I want the Pearl of Popeye's chicken. I don't know why I'm running like that. I know I took you a little bit longer today, and I'm sorry. I know you, but again, some of you, you come here a long way, and I want to give all I got for you. For me, this is the pearl of pouring it all out. I don't wanna leave anything on the field. If this is my last chance I get to talk to you, I wanna give it all I got. We're not promised tomorrow. Some of us are living like we got the rest of our, like a hundred years and God's saying, come on, sell out to the pearl of prayer. Sell out to the pearl. You'll never regret praying. You'll never regret spending time in God's presence. So with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I think some of you are here right now and you're in the pearl of process and you've been resenting it. Some of you are in the pearl of pain and you've been running from it. Some of you have forgotten the pearl of prayer. You've been just so distracted by social media. You've been living for the gram instead of living for God. You've been living for the applause of man, the, the pleasing of people, just trying to impress people. And God says, leave that field and step into the field of pleasing God. Sell out to the purpose of God. Sell out to the plans of God. Sell out to the pace that I've called you to run. Stop comparing your race with his, with hers. Embrace the pace I have you in with heads bowed and eyes closed, if God's speaking to you in a specific area of your life, that you need to take that pearl. You need to embrace that pearl in your life. I want you to lift your hand all over this room. God's saying, yes, sir, that's you. Yes, that's you. Some of you right now, you need to sell out to surrendering to God. You need to sell out to your season. God has you in a season as a stay-at-home mom and you've been resenting it. God says, come on, there's a pearl just being here as a parent. There's a pearl in parenting. There's a pearl in just being that mom to that daughter. There's a pearl in going to school. Some of you have been wanting to get out of school, get out of college. God says, come on, lean in, sell out to the season that I have you in right now, all over this room. If you're here today and God's speaking to you in an area that you need to surrender, I want you to raise your hand. God's talking to moms, dads, college students, teenagers. Yeah. Areas where you've had an attitude towards God saying, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. God's saying, trust me on the other side of your obedience. I have so much more. I want those of you that raised your hands or should have raised your hand just leave your seat come down to this altar of pearls this altar of treasures come and see what god has in store come on leave your seat of comfort and step into a field of faith leave your seat of fear and step into a field of faith step into this field where god is saying i have so much for you i have so much more for you get back in the word of god some of you have left the word of god so you've been relying on pastor sermons and God saying, come on, I've got messages for you, but you've got to open up Psalms. I've got pearls in Proverbs. I've got pearls in Genesis. I've got pearls in Revelation. I've got pearls in Colossians. Go ahead, just lead us in that song, Samuel, and come down to this altar today if you need to surrender today. have to go that's fine but i just want to share this to anyone who's still here right now there was this moment in jesus's ministry matthew 13 he was still in galilee and a lot of people felt like jesus should have been further by now in fact his own disciples said jesus go to jerusalem anyone who wants to be a public figure doesn't stay here they don't stay hidden but Jesus knew that the kingdom of heaven is hidden and he understood the power of being invisible, the power of being hidden, that Jesus knew his time. Jesus wasn't letting the pressure of people to push him out of his current season. He was patient in his process. In other words, he said, I'm good right here. I'm good, I'm good, I'm content with where I'm at right now. If you could just discover the contentment of the current pearl you have, of the pearl of present, the pearl of just the present. And stop waiting for a future season. I get excited about the future, but God says, celebrate the present. Start posting the plain days. Start posting the present days. Don't don't wait until there's a, a harvest to post about it. Don't wait until there's something powerful. Just embrace the right here, the right now, be good in Galilee, be good with where you're at, be good with the season that you're in, be good with what's going on. If you can be good here, I can take you to be even greater there. But until you learn to celebrate the pearl of the present, you'll never find the pearl of the potential that I have for you down there. You've got to find the joy in today, find the peace in today. I want us just to bow our heads and close our eyes all over this place and just say this with me. Say, Jesus, I'm all yours. I surrender to you. Use me for your glory. Thank you, Jesus, for selling out for me. You gave everything for me. So Lord, I repent of sin and I'm leaving behind everything of my way because I want your kingdom, your will. I'm selling out for you, God, so do what you want to do in me and through me. I'm all yours, and I thank you that I have the victory, that you're not finished with me, and my best days are right here, right now, and they're getting better and better. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I love you, Victory. God bless you. You're dismissed.